this is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. I'm drinking up. First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. My safe word is keep going. Joining me, as always, is Mr. Positivity, Wolfie T. I can't talk too long. I gotta poo. What's up? Not a whole lot. Just snapping necks and cashing checks. <laughs> okay, AJ Styles, <laughs> circa 2014. Is that his line? Well, he was he broke a couple necks and so he turned it into a catchphrase. <laughs> they weren't his fault. There were people took his finishing move wrong. It was uh his finishing move is the Styles Clash and it's like uh like he, he holds him up like he's gonna do a pile driver and then he hooks their arms behind his legs and then he jumps forward and pancakes them on their face. <laughs> And like so, like the rest are taking it. It's supposed to put their head backwards, so like they take it in their chest. Yeah. Well, some people were tucking their chins and going like head first, <laughs> just breaking their necks, and uh, it made it seem a lot more dangerous than it actually is. But he uh, turned it into a catchphrase, and I think he sold some merchandise on that. So good for him. Yeah, I guess. I don't know whose necks you've been breaking or who's <laughs> paying you to do it. Probably yeah. a good thing we're doing this remotely. Mm -hmm. Take my life into my own hands next time I go over to your place. I'm sure a lot of kids have snapped their necks trying wrestling moves. I remember in, uh, let's see, I guess I was in about sixth or seventh grade, and it was kind of right before football started. So all the kids are there, like, getting sized up for their helmets and their equipment and whatnot. And uh, Diamond Dallas Page was all the rage. He was the, time. he was the original people's champion. <laughs> so everyone just giving each other diamond cutters. and uh, DD, I got DDT'd. Um, and that was uh, – whose move was that? That was uh, – at that time, it probably would have been Raven. Or okay. Jake the Snake Roberts. I got DDT'd uh, by my buddy Andy. And uh, my brain just kind of rattled in my head. <laughs> it was down for the count. When I was a kid, my brother gave me a pedigree once. And it was like, so we were in the hallway, which was carpeted. But we were like on the edge of one of the bedrooms, which was had a hardwood floor. And he dropped me right on the hardwood where my head hit. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that might explain a few things about me, but <laughs> yeah, that happened. Shit, that was my sophomore gym class. Me and uh, actually uh, Michael McGivern, who does the Positively Wolfie podcast with me from time to time. 
and uh, one or two other people, we would just go around and do wrestling moves on each other through the entire gym class every day. <laughs> At least we're being active, getting some exercise. The teacher hated us. She was just, and she was an old crotchety lady and, you know, gym teacher. And uh, yeah, we would just fuck around. We, we would do the knife edge, cho- knife edge chops and then woo, like Ric Flair. Or uh, I used to like to do the back rake where you just <laughs> take your fingernails, you just scratch the shit out of somebody's back. That was a big Hulk Hogan move. Even when he was a baby face, he would just back rake the shit out of people because he, he cheated even though he was the good guy. Well, speaking of what we did as kids, we also watched a lot of movies when we were kids. And today, starting our slate of movies we watched from our youth. And this episode is on The Great Outdoors from 1988. Now, when did you did you see this as a kid? or No, I first saw this a couple years ago. Um, so this is not a movie from my youth. It's a movie from your youth. Mm. I didn't watch a lot of John Hughes movies growing up. I had to catch up on them later in life. So I don't have the affinity for a lot of John Hughes movies that the other people do mm-hmm. um this is kind of one of those but uh yeah i i watched this for the first time within the last like three or four years okay did no did i i tell you to watch it or something or was it just it came on streaming and just figured he'd see it or what um you may have mentioned it i can't remember what caused me to watch it or it might have been something where it's like uh, people keep telling me how funny John Candy and Dan Aykroyd are and <laughs> how funny John Hughes is. You know, I may as well give it a shot. But you may have mentioned it before that also. So, um, Or I had heard about it somewhere else probably. But yeah, I, this is not one that I watched as a kid. I watched it all the time as a kid. So it came out in 88. I probably saw it for the first time, I guess maybe in 89 or 90 when I was about three or four. Uh, so that bear story used to scare me when I was, you know, four years old. It is admittedly probably the best part of the movie was John Candy <laughs> telling the story. <laughs> He's a very good storyteller. Yeah. So let's get into the details here. He said it's a John Hughes movie, but it was only written by John Hughes because it was directed by Howard Deutsch, starring John Candy as Chet Ripley, Dan Aykroyd as Roman Craig, his uh, brother-in-law, Stephanie Farsi, or no, Pharisee, plays Connie Ripley. Annette Benning is Kate Craig. Chris Young is Buck Ripley. Ian Michael Giotti is Ben Ripley. Uh, Robert Prosky is Wally. Hillary Gordon and Rebecca Gordon play Kara Craig and Mara Craig. They're the identical twins. Fucking creepy. <laughs> Lucy Deacons as Cammy. Nancy Lenahan as the waitress. See Louis Arquette as Herm. Britt Leach as Reg. And Cliff Bemis as the boatyard owner. And uh, Bart the Bear as the bald-headed bear. Uh, quite a, a famous bear. He was in Legends of the Fall. He was in The Edge. Uh, he was in a movie called The Bear. Uh, Twelve Monkeys. I wonder what he played in The Bear. <laughs> On Deadly Ground, 
Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. Did you used to watch that a lot as a kid? Yeah, and the sequel, Lost in San Francisco. White Fang. He was uncredited in Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, very famous bear actor. (laughs) Uh, Synopsis. A Chicago man and his family go camping with his obnoxious brother-in-law. Chicago man, big surprise for John Hughes movie. I know, right? I couldn't figure out where this movie was set. They keep moving the the location around. I noticed right off the bat once they get to the the uh, cabin or the whatever campgrounds, the innkeeper was wearing a shirt that said "I've been to Duluth." Yeah, I love that shirt. I want to get it. <laughs> <laughs> like so have i <laughs> well you could be a diaper salesman in duluth for all i care now i thought it was set in northern wisconsin on like around lake superior basically no that wasn't lake superior of course like in the movie but i thought right. it was supposed to be set around there but there is that line where they see that 109 year old man he's the oldest living man in canada Right, and then there's a point in the movie where uh, Dan Aykroyd and John Candy are talking to each other. Like, what do you look out here? What do you see? And Dan Aykroyd says, "I see the northern woods of Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan." It's like, well, where are you? (laughs) Yeah, are you you in any of those states? Are you in Canada? Like you said, with the oldest man in Canada. I think it is supposed to be set in uh, Wisconsin. I think I read that somewhere. But um, it was all filmed in California, of course, uh, Northern California. And uh, there's apparently something was filmed in Chicago, but uh, that's about it. Nothing, in, nothing in Canada or the you know, Midwestern states other than you know, Chicago, Illinois. It's kind of weird that they would go to Chicago because I don't know what they would Yeah, they don't really there. have any. I don't know if there was some B-roll they needed to film. And then they just didn't use it. I don't know if there was maybe a, another scene. Like or before they left. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it could have been something on the lake. Uh, like when they were doing the water skiing. I don't know. Maybe suburban Chicago. Who knows? So yeah, it opens with uh, Yaggity Yak, Don't Talk Back. Great song. Great sing-along family song. <laughs> We talked about the coasters on our Death Proof episode. What a coincidence that there's also a coaster song to start this movie off. <laughs> a little different context with the, the scene that it's being used in. Mm-hmm. in and Death Proof <laughs> was uh, used, the, the coasters is a band from the 60s. And uh, Quentin Tarantino used their song down in Mexico for the lap dance scene in Death Proof. <laughs> And in great outdoors, it's the family, you know, having fun on the way to the the cabin, <laughs> sing-along road trip song. Yeah, John Candy has a couple of kind of famous scenes with like driving along and singing along to music. Like in the planes, trains, and automobiles, it's the doing the mess around uh, song while Steve Martin's sleeping. <laughs> and... <laughs> John Candy's just like smoking a heater while he's driving, just like 
all animated kind of dance along to the music and then he like almost crashes the car and <laughs> they did a a parody of it on um family guy or brian's doing it while stewie's sleeping and crashes the car oh yeah yeah i, th- I can't remember I, I think yeah john candy does like crash the car but um yeah uh just a good old time with the family and at the same time dan Aykroyd's family is also driving to uh the cabin unbeknownst to chet ripley and his family uninvited mm-hmm. how did they even know that it was okay for them to come like they just invite themselves i suppose they knew they were renting a whole big ass cabin yeah how many rooms were in that thing like six i don't know or at least four yeah because both both adult couples had their own room and then both set of kids had their own room so there yeah. had to be at least four. It's pretty typical of those cabins. Like it, it always has more bedrooms than a regular, like a comparable sized house that you know isn't a cabin. Because they don't really have like extra rooms. You know, they don't need a study. You know, they just right. <laughs> they just make an extra bedroom. So yeah, they they walk into the uh, the rental office and they got to blow that horn. So that's like a community horn you got to blow for service. It's like for prompt service, blow me. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine in the age of COVID having to do that. Like, no wonder it spreads the way it does. They didn't like wipe it down or anything. He just takes it off the wall, puts it right in his mouth. Yeah. Like, who knows? Who knows how long it's been there? How many mouths have been on there? Like, is it covered in dust? Like, it's fucking gross. And that dog jumps out of nowhere and scares the hell out of everyone. And the rental owner is hilarious it's the guy that's wearing the i i've been to, I've been to duluth shirt <laughs> and uh yeah shut the freak up what can i do you for folks <laughs> a decent amount of cursing for a pg film i mean pg-13 was around at the time but yeah this is still like a time where you could get away with more things for a pg film like nowadays no way could you get away with some of the stuff they get away with in here. You were talking about, you know, masturbating in a washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I didn't even think about that. I think this would definitely be PG thirteen. And we'll today. get into we'll get into goosing later. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, my. Yeah, I like how the the rental owner and his wife have to get in the car with the family to go to the cabin. With <laughs> well, he doesn't dog. get in the car. He, he gets on top of the hood. <laughs> this has him drive to the cabin. <laughs> I know it's not that far away, but it's just weird. Well, they got the dog in there with them. It's like, why do you have to come with us? Like, I don't get it. <laughs> I did like too, when they're looking at the cabin and John Candy's like, what's not to like? And the, the rental guy under his breath goes, well, you could get the shits from the wall, from the well water. <laughs> yeah. That was my next note. <laughs> get the shits from the well water. <laughs> God, what is in your, uh, well, I suppose That's you know, they talk about that, that mining, uh, that abandoned mine was nearby. So maybe some, uh, some elements of the mining operation leaked into the well water. Well, even like, who knows how, you know how old that well is like it could just be leaking stuff from the the ground into it anyways yeah 
And why was there a fish in the shower? <laughs> yeah, they got they have to like clean the cabin before they can like move in. <laughs> the toilet seat is missing. It was on the sun porch. <laughs> Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> Which all this talk about cleaning and toilet seats and fish is getting John Candy very horny. So he wants to really uh, get down to dirty with his wife because the, the kids are out, by, out at the lake. And they have the whole cabin to themselves. He won't. And he won't take no for an answer. <laughs> he really doesn't. <laughs> she tries. She says no a bunch of times. <laughs> but he uh, gets her to cave when he uh, suggests role playing because she loves being uh, uh, the oak tree woman temptress of the woods <laughs> and he's Bert <laughs> just a guy <laughs> named Bert as he proceeds to undress her <laughs> semi against her will mm-hmm. meanwhile Dan Aykroyd and family he's got the whole crew he's got the camera going and he's just sitting there with his wife and two like what seven eight-year-old daughters yeah and uh just sitting there recording his brother-in-law undressing his uh sister-in-law uh right in front of the kids and just letting it go on (laughs) well they they did cover the kids eyes (laughs) (laughs) but yeah uh, i love dan Aykroyd in here i guess he's playing a perfect like coked up 80s wall street dude He's so hateable. I gotta <laughs> say, I hated this character. But like it's obviously intended to be hated, I think. Yeah. Uh like like you said, he's a co I don't know if he's actually coked up, but he acts like it. <laughs> um he's like he's supposedly a stockbroker. It kinda comes back later as far as his status on that. But uh actually uh I described him as a big city capitalist. Yeah. And he sees the lake as a business opportunity, mm-hmm. not as a place for rest and relaxation and getting back to nature. Yeah, this actually leads uh, into our first clip. <laughs> that was quite a surprise. I mean, yeah, I, I, you got me. <laughs> and you, in the whole week you'll be here. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. Just something. So anyway, you're an intelligent man. Thank you. Make a good living? Not bad. Get a good life? Pretty good. Answer me one question. Sure. Why the hell would you want to come up to a plant-infested no-man's land like this and live like a barbarian for a week? Ah, you wouldn't understand. Try me. I, I have great memories of this country when I was a kid, you know, and I used to come up here with my dad, and, and I want the boys to have the same memories. I mean, look around you, Roman. For God's sakes, this is this is this is beautiful country here. Take a good look. I'll tell you what I see when I look out there. If you want to know, <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. I see the underdeveloped resources of northern Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan. I see a syndicated development consortium exploiting over a billion and a half dollars in forest products. I see a paper mill, and if the strategic metals are there, a mining operation, a greenbelt between the condos on the lake and a waste management facility, focusing on the newest rage in toxic waste, medical refuse, infected bandages, body parts, IV tubing, contaminated glassware, entrails, syringes, fluid, blood, low-grade radioactive waste, all safely contained, sunken in the lake, and sealed for centuries. Now, I ask you, what do you see? 
I, I just see, uh, see trees. Well, no one ever accused you of having the grand vision. Nope. Maybe it's all for the best. While the ambitious scramble for wealth and power, the Chet Ripley's of the world are just able to lay back and casually stroll along life's path. I mean that as a compliment. Oh, thanks. The rest of us are all probably going to die of heart attacks and strokes long before you. <laughs> I hope so. Wouldn't that be great? Gee, just to see a bunch of people drop that you hate. You know, that would be something else, I'm telling you. Uh, yeah, John Candy is great, of course, in here. Uh, big John Candy fan. Kind of grew up with him. Did you watch a lot of John Candy movies? Not really. Um, I know I saw Cool Runnings when I was out. But really, I don't remember watching too many of his movies. And going back and watching them, like, in the last few years, like, the ones that I've seen, like, he's got kind of a more subtle uh, style of humor. And uh, I don't know, it just doesn't click with me that much, to be honest. So, like, people tell me how hilarious John Candy is. And I was like, well, he's okay. Uh, they don't go bonkers for them, to be honest. So That's blasphemy, Brett. That's what I hear. But then again, I don't know. You know the types of comedies I like. <laughs> They're gonna be outrageous and really in your face. <laughs> uh, yeah, I loved Uncle Buck and seen him, and he was good in Stripes. Uh, vacation. Um, what else did I watch him in in the eighties? So he was uh, very good on SCTV, although I didn't really see much of that, you know, until my later years from YouTube. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen that SCTV. Um, what else? Uh, some I remember watching that. Uh, what was it called? Like Who Framed Harry Crum or something like that? Oh, who, yeah. Who is Harry Crum? That sounds familiar. I've never seen that. Spaceballs was a, was a big one. Yeah, I saw Spaceballs probably in my teen years. Yeah, Who's Harry Crum is what it's called. But another one <laughs> I watched a bunch as a kid. Might be a Stay Tuned is the cinematic masterpiece that is nothing but trouble. <laughs> seen that? I don't think so. Oh. That doesn't even ring a bell, to be oh, honest. Oh, wow. Uh, all your favorite people. Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, John Candy, and Demi Moore. What did Demi Moore get stuck in that? <laughs> <laughs> Big at the time. This was like a huge like cr- critical flop. and Yeah. Demi Moore in that cast is like one of those, you know, spot the thing that doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it seems like something that she would have to be coerced into doing or like she's contractually obligated to appear in X number of movies and like she's just running out the contract. And yeah, the movie is just a mess and it is outrageous. Dan Aykroyd plays like a, basically like an 80 year old man. Uh, John Candy plays, I think he's like a crooked cop, but he dresses up as like, uh, I think he actually plays like his twin sister. So he, (laughs) you know, he plays two roles, a lot of like gross makeup. And 
Ah, it's just a bizarre movie. You have to see it. It's it's something. Tupac's in it. <laughs> Actually, is uh, the Digital Underground shows up. Oh, I see. And he's with them. <laughs> but um, yeah, because he uh, you know, he died at a young age, forty three, in uh, early ninety four, making Wagons East. Canadian Bacon was the last film of his that actually was uh, released. I remember that one a little bit. I remember that one being like a better premise than it was a movie, but. It was basically the same premise as uh, Super Troopers 2. <laughs> yeah. It was a Michael Moore film. So, you know, it's fair and balanced and right down the middle. As always. <laughs> All right, back to the great outdoors. Yeah, I just have a lot of good memories of this movie and watching it with the family as a, as a kid kind of reminds me of, I guess that in general, just when he's talking to his son Buck about, you know, the great memories, but he had when he came up here, when he was a kid with his dad. And like, I just remember watching this, you know, as a family all the time and a lot of good memories. I also remember uh, thinking Buck was so fucking cool. And I, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I don't see it either. I don't. And I had a big crush on his uh, his love interest in this film. Yeah. And she's a she's a smoker too, which is also kind of like jarring to see now. Like the PG like family movie, and like the love interest is some smoking teenager. <laughs> right. Yeah. She's cool. She's smoking. <laughs> I mean, she had to be under eighteen, right? Like, was she? Because uh, Buck was younger. She's a little rebel. That's what she is. She's a townie. Mm -hmm. You don't know how local I am. What is that supposed to mean? (laughs) I was very confused by that line. I have no idea. I did note that when the Buck and um, Ben are on the lake and Dan Aykroyd's kids pop up for the first time, you know, it's shot like the scene out of The Shining with the two girls, but then they put the Twilight Zone theme over it, and it was a yeah. whole mishmash of references. That's <laughs> pretty solid. And those, I looked it up, and those girls pretty much didn't do anything else. I think they were in one other thing, and that was it. Well, I mean, when your sole movie credit is, you know, you being... Um, lambasted for how fucking creepy you look for the entire movie. Like I can see <laughs> how that could, you know, maybe shatter your confidence and your your ability to land other roles without being typecast into that, you know, situation. Yeah, they were also in the Mosquito Coast, Harrison Ford film. I've never seen it. I don't even remember that one. An inventor spurns his city life and moves his family into the jungles of Central America to make a utopia. I bet that ends well. It has River Phoenix in it, too. It did not end well for him. (laughs) Helen Mirren is in there. Jason Alexander, too. (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, let's... Let's get into our next clip. This is the the bear story. I I think I have to uh, tell you this story. A story that might save your lives since we're up here in the North Woods. I know the Heimlich Maneuver. 
<laughs> no, this is uh, a bear story. A true bear story. See, Connie and I honeymooned up at this very same lake. Big spender. We stayed at my uncle's cabin. Uncle George? Yeah, that's right. One night we were getting ready for bed, and we heard this terrible noise out by the trash cans. You remember? And uh, I went downstairs to check it out, looked out the window, and there was the biggest, baddest bear in the North Woods. Sure, Dad. No, it's true. It's true. This bear was over eight feet high with big white teeth, fangs stained pink from whatever it killed before it got to our cabin. It was frightening. Ah, frightening. The paws on this thing were immense. With big black claws, razor sharp, like uh, Freddy Krueger. Ah! Oh, worse, worse, worse. This, this wasn't a movie. This was happening. This was now. This was right in front of me. And all that separated me from that bear was a pane of glass. Honey. Honey, maybe we shouldn't tell this story right now. Mom, Mom, it's no, fine. No, 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 it's I, fine. I, I'm it's thinking fine. about nightmares. No, no. They have to hear this. Like I say, it might save their life one day. Now, I saw that bear. It saw me. And it was hungry. Hungry for blood. Human blood. You see... Once a bear gets a taste for blood, it craves it, it needs it, and will do anything it can to get it. That bear had become a man-eater. Our eyes locked. My heart was pumping. the shotgun after the mantle. Turned around, and there was that bear right in the window. Its breath was fogging up the glass. And suddenly, it let out this god-awful roar. It started smashing on the walls. Watch the pan started around and the walls started shimmering, and the floorboards started lifting. I knew then that it was either the bear or your mom and I. So I raised the rifle, I took aim, and I fired. Wasted her? No, Benny, 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 a shotgun's not going to kill a monster bear like that. Well, what happened? The buckshot shaved the hair clean off the top of its head. It ran off. We never saw it again. Oh, I hear from my uncle every now and then. And he'd tell us about the bald-headed killer bear that was roaming about the area. The 
bald-headed killer bear of Clare County. Is she still around? Oh, oh no, 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 that bear's gone. No. Uh, she may be out there. <sighs> Crazy, bloodthirsty as ever. So when you go to bed tonight, if you hear a noise, whatever you do, don't look out the window. Because of my... <laughs> It's very intense. It's a very intense story. Mm-hmm. It's also worth noting this was basically Annette Benning's first film. Yeah, I saw that in the trivia here, kind of perusing it. Yeah, she was only in uh, some TV movies. I guess two TV movies, an episode of Miami Vice and an episode of Wise Guy. Yeah, I was wondering how she got lowered to doing this. What if it was her debut? That makes more sense. Although she acts the same way in this movie as she does in American Beauty. (laughs) (laughs) Somewhat, yeah. Very similar acting choices. Mm -hmm. Although uh, this, I guess you wouldn't have to be, she wouldn't have to lower herself for this because I'm sure John Hughes was such a hot commodity at the time. People were clamoring to be a part of this film i'm sure yeah his candy and Aykroyd were huge at the time too yeah especially if it was her first role you know that would probably be a, a good breakout role i would imagine at least that would be the thought process going in i'm sure uh warren got her the job <laughs> i forgot when they got married let's look it up quick 92 they got married so this would have been before that how did Annette Benning snag him? That's what I don't get. I don't know. You go to Wikipedia and there is a list a mile long about all the different women he had relationships with. It's probably the most impressive list <laughs> I've ever seen. It's got Jane Fonda, Morgan Fairchild, Melanie Griffith, Daryl Hannah, Goldie Hawn, Janice Dickinson, Candace Bergen, Cher, Barbara Hershey, Diane Keaton, Elle McPherson, Madonna, Princess Margaret, <laughs> Mary Tyler Moore. It's quite the Diana Ross. It's quite the age Diane range. Sawyer. That's a that's yeah. a pretty wide range. Natalie Wood. <laughs> Raquel Welsh. Wow. Oh, vanity <laughs> prince's ex-girlfriend oh is she the one from uh no yeah she was in never too young to die right with john samos yeah yep mm-hmm. <laughs> that was her she can really uh spray a water hose around can't she <laughs> warren Beatty's just there eating apple after apple 
Try, try to keep his boner down. <laughs> Speaking of boners, I think Roman, the character Roman is a real boner of a parent. <laughs> I love how he talks to his kids. It's so formal. Very relatable. Like, like he's never talked to children before, even his own. <laughs> he's just super uncomfortable talking about how... He tells them that the bear story is fake, but then he starts telling them another story, which is equally as disturbing to get yeah. their minds off of it. It's like, that's if, like, if I told you this story where I did the, I, had a, I can't even remember what, uh, what he was telling them, but like, he's like, if I tell him telling that bear story it would be like, if I told you I did this and this and this, and I, I'm not going to do that because that'll give you nightmares. <laughs> and it's like, well, you just did. Yeah, he doesn't have the best bedside manner. <laughs> All right, I think we're done here. <laughs> I'm going to go now. What's with the raccoons? Do you like the <laughs> raccoons? I mean, I liked them a lot as kids, or as a kid. Uh, but, um, I mean, now it's kind of like, eh, I don't need it. Yeah, as a kid, I could see thinking it's kind of funny, but, like, now it's just like, what is the point of this? I don't, I guess the, the garbage being ransacked comes into play a couple of times, but really it doesn't really add to the story. It's just filler. You might be selling them short because I'm sure you're going to be real disappointed to know that there's an after credit scene with the raccoons. Oh, I saw but it. I'm sh- oh, you did see it. Oh. I did see it. <laughs> it was actually a pretty good joke about the bear being a, did you hear of what i forget the bear's name or something like that but did you hear about you know the bear yeah like don't tell me yep she's bald on both ends now (laughs) like oh (laughs) that poor bear shouldn't make fun of people for being bald (laughs) it's almost like you have a personal vendetta it's a medical condition it's like one of the it's like the only medical condition you can get made fun of for having easy george Yeah, I remember laughing my ass off when I was a kid when the bear's ass hair gets blown off. <laughs> <laughs> Running off with those bear cheeks. Yeah, that I mean, was the funniest thing to me as a kid. I mean, admittedly, I saw Doolittle in the theater last year before everything shut down, and I laughed my ass off when they pulled the bagpipes out of the dragon's ass. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not above it. <laughs> I don't think anyone would ever accuse you of being above it. <laughs> uh, How about uh, Roman? He's what is? I can't remember. Is he shaving or something? He's he's standing in the bathroom with just a towel around his waist. Yeah, he's clipping his uh, nose hairs. That's right. And his wife's in the shower, and he's just like he can't figure out why his kids don't admire him, like uh, Chet's kids admire him, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Meanwhile, the kids are just standing there staring at him as he ignores them, scratching his ass. And, and then and he he's, takes right, he's right. He is 20 pounds overweight. <laughs> then he takes a business call and just like shuts everybody down. <laughs> he's like, shut up. I got to take this. He's like, <laughs> yeah, he tells us, he's like, Cannon, huh? No, talking business or something like that. <laughs> uh, so. He's uh, he's trying to put together a big deal uh, to invest in some stuff in that region 
is apparently what's going on. You find out more about that later. Yeah. But uh, I think they go water skiing after that. They sure do. I have a I have a question about why did Chet have the skis on if he wasn't the one that was going to go skiing? <laughs> you guess you got to show your son how to wear them. <laughs> <laughs> Visually, you gotta you gotta really show him what it looks like when they're on your feet. I guess. <laughs> and like none of the people in the boat knew that was going on. Well, it's funny because uh, Roman, you know, his wife asked, oh, what, what's he doing? He's like, oh, he's teaching the kid, you know, he's, he's showing him, showing him how to ski and whatnot. And, and then when he waves, he thinks it's him. Oh, he's like, oh, oh, you're going. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Let's go. <laughs> Takes off on the, uh, the ski boat, the jet boat. He's like, suck my wake. Is what yeah. It's called, the, the boat. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Heck of a motor on that thing. He was so far down the dock too. Is that like normal? I've never been water skiing. Like I'm not an outdoors person. So yeah, it seemed weird that it seemed weird that he was like 20 feet down the dock with the the skis on and holding the rope. And I was like, wouldn't that ruin the skis or the dock being dragged that far down them? Not really. I mean, the skis are really smooth and I mean, I'm not sure if that's still what people do, but I know it was. People would start from the dock sometimes, um, or the water. I mean, when I did it when I was a kid, I'd, I was I was in the water. Yeah, they'd pull you up, but like I could see starting on the dock, but like closer to the edge. Like I don't know. It just seemed like he was really far back. It seemed like it would be harder starting from the dock because you have to yeah, basically you, make a jump. <laughs> yeah, pretty <laughs> right much. when you're starting. Yeah. That was a pretty good scene, though. I did like that scene of him water skiing. I thought they edited it, edited it pretty well with the uh, the close-ups and then the uh, the farther away shots. <laughs> yeah, it was a John Candy heck of a water skier. At least his stuntman <laughs> is. I did like the close-ups where they like it, it looked pretty good. Like it looked like yeah. he was actually going through and you know being dragged through the stuff. He almost decapitated about fifteen boaters. <laughs> Roma just driving <laughs> everywhere he's not supposed to be. Very erratically. Just close to the shoreline, all these other boats, and it's like, what are you doing? Just a jackass. He's swinging Chet around so that the line goes directly over the boat that they're passing. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, just John Candy just didn't listen to anything he told his son. So when there's trouble, you let go of the rope and he just holds on the entire time for no reason. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> he gets on, he, he loses a ski halfway through, doesn't he? And he's doing yeah. it one-legged. That yeah. is pretty sweet. <laughs> Everyone's very impressed. <laughs> well, that was almost the last draw because Chet tries to pack up and leave after that. Mm -hmm. But his wife talks him into staying. Now, I was going to mention this earlier. I didn't realize until about an hour and 20 minutes into the movie that the two women were sisters. Yeah. Uh, I, for some reason, I thought that Chet and Roman were brothers. And I'm like, this is a weird relationship for people who grew up <laughs> as brothers. Yeah. I'm like, why do they have different last names? But then, uh, <laughs> like, at the end of the movie, like, almost at the end of the movie, he starts talking about, like, you know, I was marrying... Kate, and then you were in the bathroom with 
Kate and Connie's father. Like, oh, well, I guess the two uh, wives are because the wives don't act like sisters either. Yeah, like they seem completely unrelated. Yeah, it's a different dynamic. Also, around this time is when uh, Buck meets his first local. He has no idea how local she really is. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Is that the birthday party of the 109-year-old Canadian? <laughs> I don't think you should be climbing on him like a jungle gym like that. Why not? Because he died on the way over here. <laughs> <laughs> girls are kissing him and whatnot. Give him a kiss, girls. Well, you know great what happens. picture. You know what happens when you die, right? I mean, he's probably just covered in his own filth. <laughs> Although at that age, you probably can't tell the difference, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so Buck goes and sexually harasses this woman, or this <laughs> local girl that he goosed with his pool cue. So I, I got to bring up the goosing term. Because, uh, yeah, he accidentally he gooses her with his uh, pool cue. And, uh, you know, she gets pissed and runs off. And... Buck's brother says uh, he gave her like a world-class goose or goosing. And I was like, I never knew the term goosing as a kid. Like, were you aware of goosing when you were a kid? Yeah. The term or the act? Or both? Uh, Both. Although this, I don't think this would be a traditional goosing. Because like a goose was, you know, it's like, you just like stick your fingers and give a, a quick jab to the butthole or something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that. That would be a goosing. Because like, I, yeah, I guess it's called goose because you put your fingers that kind of resembles like a goose's head and beak. Yeah. Like I, I do of that, but I guess I didn't know it was called goosing. I, did, I hadn't even heard the term until I'd say about five years ago. Really? When I heard uh, Roger Moore used to goose women on the James Bond sets. <laughs> I guess this, is, this came out right around the Me Too stuff first started popping out. And I heard about Grace Jones on the set of A View to a Kill uh, during her sex scene with Roger Moore. She played kind of a prank on him and uh, brought a dildo into the bed. And tried to, it was like trying to goose him with this big dildo or like she was wearing a strap on or something. But um, yeah, I, uh, air quotes strap on. <laughs> you might want to cut that joke. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, so I had heard like, oh yeah, she was getting back at him because he gooses women, and so my impression of it was like, Roger Moore was just sexually harassing all these or sexually assaulting all these women on the Bond sets. And Grace Jones, you know, stood up for all the women and, you know, goosed them bad, basically. But then I, I was watching an interview on YouTube with Grace Jones where she was talking about it. And she did it more of a, like, she had fond memories of it. Like, she wasn't mad at Roger Moore at all. And this interview might have even been pre-Me Too right. movement. But she seemed to, like, really have a, a great fondness for uh, Roger Moore. And, like, I read all these quotes like I was looking at Roger Moore's page and like Tanya Roberts, who was another Bond woman from View to a Kill, she just uh, passed away. Uh, she was the uh, neighbor wife on uh, that 70s show. Or did she? 
<laughs> she came back to life for a day or two. Yeah. But um, Tiny Roberts and all these different Bond actresses talked about how uh, great Roger Moore was and how comfortable he made them, especially during like sex scenes and scenes where they would be nude. Uh, he made them all feel comfortable. And so, I mean, I think Grace Jones said like he used to goose people, but I, you know, I think it was like, I, I had this image of my head of like, like during the sex scenes, like they were shooting and he was like goosing them under the sheets or something. And I was just like, Jesus, he's like raping these women. And it was, it's a little more, uh, it's like a prank. It's like a yeah. school age prank. Yeah. It was a little more innocent than that. Although, you know, a lot of people would argue, well, you, you know, in today's me too world that, it's still not okay. Yeah. You know? But back then it was more like, uh, it was just joking around. <laughs> well, that was uh, George H.W. Bush used to do that during photo ops. Remember? <laughs> he said, what's my, guess what my favorite magician is? And he would say, David Copperfield. <laughs> you got that from a meme. Well, they called him out for it when he was like 95 years old, you know, like a year before he died. He was wheelchair bound. Like, what's he going to do about it? <laughs> His wife's right there. Like, yeah. Not anymore. Because he, he died pretty much right after her, right? It was within a couple of months right after Barbara. Yeah. I was trying to think. I had forgotten if she was alive or not still. But yeah. I mean, he died maybe six months after they complain about him doing that, you know, pinching butts on, uh, well, taking photos. So I don't know. I, I think that's kind of been glossed over. He's back in the good graces again, as far as being ex- an acceptable human being. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he, uh, sexually assaults a woman with a pool cue and then goes after her, tries to get a date. I mean, to be fair, those pool tables were probably way too close together anyways. Yeah, they were. I mean, they were like, like two feet away from each other, and he's rearing back to, to make a shot. He doesn't even, like, goose her. Like, it goes between her legs, and then he pulls it back out. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, he was very erotic for a four-year-old Eric Mulder. <laughs> oh... Boy, I don't think we want to get into that. <laughs> Told you to be crushed on this girl. I'm canny. <laughs> <laughs> well, meanwhile, while that's happening, Chet takes Benny out to the the bear junkyard or whatever it was. <laughs> and he's just putting fucking candy bars out for the bear. <laughs> So we're going to see some bears up close here. <laughs> Puts it on the hood. He's calling for the bears. Like, come on. <laughs> then oh he's like God. shocked that they'd climb on his vehicle. Although like, he's pretty calm about everything. Yeah. So watch the paint job, you know, and just kind of knocking on the window. Come on, beat it. Scram. Like, I'm surprised that window held, that windshield held up, you know, because yeah. it was like jumping on it. <laughs> like, that's a pretty strong windshield. He drives away with like three of them on top of his fucking car. I think from there it cuts to Chet and Buck on the lake and they have a little bit of a heart to heart. Yeah. He gives him uh, his father's ring and uh, it really seems like he's uh, just trying to connect with Buck and not Benny. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's that time with like, Benny. Like Benny could give a fuck about Benny. Yeah, Benny's young. Buck <laughs> is almost out of the house. He's like 16. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember what they talked about, to be honest. <laughs> like, this is boring. I'm going to yeah. tune out. Give him his father's just, ring. I'm going to zone it. out for a minute here. And then they cut to the raccoons, and then uh, like, by the time they get back, it's just like, okay. <laughs> it's actually, they get back to Buck stalking the local girl at her fucking job. He mm-hmm. tracks her down to her job at the A&W, and... Uh, he also will not take no for an answer. So he does take after his father in that way. <laughs> Gotta go out and get him. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he, so he sets up a date and then, uh, you know, she was just worried he's going to blow her off or not show up. And then he does exactly that. Right. It takes, all... so, takes so long for his dad to eat the old 96er. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about the activities montage for a second? Mm-hmm. So they have the go the go karts. Meanwhile, yep. Roman is doing a driving range. Yeah. Did he hit it onto the go kart course? I can't remember. Yeah, he hit. Yeah, well, right he, he hit a helmet. tree and it bounced off the tree backwards onto the go karts. That's how it Jesus hit John Christ. Candy. <laughs> and then horseback riding. I don't blame that horse for not wanting John Candy's fat ass <laughs> up on top of him. There's usually a weight limit for horse riding. I think. I uh, love uh, Je- or, uh, Dan Aykroyd in that scene. He's talking about how shitty his horse was. He's like, that was a thoroughbred, all right. A thoroughbred mule horse. <laughs> 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 and then Sean Candy starts w- walking up. And he's like, hey, <laughs> what took you so long? Where's that ball slapping nag of yours? <laughs> <laughs> I noticed, too, that so after John Candy gets off his horse and he can't get it to go, like mm-hmm. I can't remember what the horse does. The horse does something to piss him off, and he runs over to a tree and he pulls a switch off the tree. Yeah, he's gonna whip it like a jackie. <laughs> and like, if it wasn't for Adrian Peterson, I wouldn't have known what that was because <laughs> growing up white in America, we didn't have switches. <laughs> My parents didn't use a switch on me or anything, but I always knew what a switch was. I mostly from it. books we read in grade school you know like mark twain stuff or yeah like i've heard the term like uh the switch i I forget what the whole phrase is that i've uh, been most familiar with it with but like i didn't know what it actually was until it came out with it uh adrian peterson just whipped the shit out of one of his kids with one like (laughs) five years ago (laughs) yep like he put a beating on that kid like oh it's bad Mm mm-hmm then everybody was arguing that he didn't he didn't hit his kid, he disciplined his kid. Well, it's a very uh complicated cultural issue, Brett. It's a fine line. But yeah, you mentioned uh, from there. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that actually happens in between. Uh, yeah, I have uh I think we can get to our next clip, which is they're at the bar and they meet uh, Reg. Yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> I know, I know, I know Muskie's a big deal fish up in these waters, but you come with me to the Norfolk Canyon off the coast of Virginia. I'll strap you into a fishing chair and let you hook into a thousand-pound blue marlin. Buddy, you're going to know what fishing's all about with a capital F. <laughs> You'll have to excuse my brother-in-law. He gets a couple cocktails into him. He becomes an expert on everything. I don't need cocktails for that. Was that a shot? No, that was the truth. Well, that was a shot. That was a shot. <laughs> Speaking of shots, set us up. 
This guy's a riot. Isn't he, though? Everybody loves him, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. By the way, Herm, making a lot of tips on his job. Well, I do all right. Who's handling your investments? Well, my wife's got some egg money put aside, but she's a real bear. Won't give it up to me. Yeah, well, I'll take her phone number. I'll change that. Believe me, that's what I do for a living. Investments is what I do. How you doing? Well, 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 it ain't, 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 don't have a neo-skunk thing? Or... Roman, what are you doing? Well, he's got the hair. Well, you don't have to say anything. His hair turned white because lightning hit him. Yeah. He's been struck by lightning. How many times is it now, Reg? Six. Six. Six times. Six, 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 six times. Sixty-six times. God, that's got to hurt. Yeah, you'll never meet a guy more tuned into the barometric pressure than Reg is. Yeah. You see him running like hell for home. You head for cover. Right, Reg? Hey, buddy, you pay for the drinks. I got to go to John and be right back. Got to introduce Mr. Thick Dick to Mr. Urinal Cake. Oh, jeez, Roman, you have to... What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's right up there with no holds barred and where do i go to bleed the old lizard <laughs> now, how can you dislike roman craig in here brett <laughs> go introduce mr thick thing <laughs> to mr Cake. god damn <laughs> he just shouts it for everybody to hear he makes sure everybody hears it i gotta think there's uh Additional scenes either cut or never filmed. Because, you know, people consider, you know, John Hughes around this time to be, I guess he was at the top of his form, mm. you know, that type of a thing. And so, I don't know, must be with the direction or they cut a lot of things because there's a lot of very pointless subplots that go nowhere. Yeah. I mean, even the romance kind of goes nowhere. I mean, there's some resolution, I guess, at the end, but like it wasn't a big enough part of the movie to be significant. All right. And so it was kind of like three throwaway scenes, I guess. It's like, you could have cut that. Maybe not like why introduce Reg this, like he shows up later and gets, you know, struck by lightning for the 67th time. Right. But you know, like the, the guy that I guess the rental owner that saves the day at the end with the shotgun, he wakes up because of the, uh, the bear roar. Mm hmm. Like it would have been one thing if like, uh, you know, Reg got struck by lightning and then he woke up this other guy and they went and helped. But it was just like, no, we just want to show a guy get struck by lightning again later. Right. And that's that's the joke. And then. (laughs) (laughs) Believe me, it'll be funny. (laughs) Trust me. So, yeah, it seems like there's there's some random stuff in here that should have been cut and then other stuff that should have been left in. Right. Yes. But um, I mean, from there we get the bat in the cabin. Yeah, it's a good scene. I didn't understand. They go outside and they close the door. It's like, why don't you just open the door so it can fly out? First of all. Mm-hmm. Second of all, when they go back in to go get the bat, 
They got all this fucking gear on. Where was was that outside the cabin? Did they go back in to get it and then bring it back out and then put it on? Like, how long did it take them to get it on? <laughs> like, there's a whole many questions that I had just <laughs> with the logistics of that whole situation. Maybe it was in the back of their cars. Maybe. The gear that they didn't unload or they were using somewhere else. It was pretty hilarious, though, when it, the bat landed on Chet's face and Roman just whacked the shit out of him. <laughs> he killed the bat. Mm-hmm. Well, the, he finishes off with a fly swatter. I'm like, eh, I guess, but. Do you remember when there was a bat in the uh, arena down in San Antonio during a Spurs game? And Manu Ginobili knocked it down with his hand, and then he had to get oh, yeah. shot and missed like a week of games. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I think he just stunned it. I think I told the story of. Uh, the bat story with Alex and I, former co-host. I told you that one? Uh, if you did, I don't remember it. It was uh, when Alex and I were rooming together in our apartment uh, at the uh, uptown area. And we're sitting there watching a movie. All the lights are off. And actually, well, I guess I should set it up with earlier that morning. Alex um, left for work a little before me. And when I woke up, I remember hearing the shades in the living room, you know, like the plastic uh, uh-huh. shades were kind of moving. And I thought Alex was opening or closing the window because he would typically do that uh, before he'd leave for work. So I didn't think anything of it. And then a little later, I'm getting dressed and a bat flew to my bedroom and it started like circling me. And I'm like, what the, f- <laughs> what the fuck? And then it flew out back to where it came. And you know, I figured out, oh, that's what was making all the noise. And so I went over to the window. I saw there was a little tiny kind of hole or like the, like where the screen was, you know, met the metal, I guess, under the frame. Right. Uh, there was a little loose, like a little hole there. I could have kind of squeezed in. And so I was, I mean, I looked around. I didn't see it anywhere. Mm-hmm. What I didn't know is that uh, it had hidden down in the radiator in the floor. <laughs> it had crawled in there. Oh boy! To hang out for the rest of the day, I guess. Because that night, Alex and I were sitting on the couch watching a movie with the entire. All the lights are off. The only light in the whole apartment was from the TV. We were watching uh, Shame. <laughs> I don't think you've seen that yet. No. So Michael Fassbender is a uh, sex addict. No, I haven't seen that. No. <laughs> it was uh, during a very particularly steamy scene, I guess. <laughs> where he's about to have sex with a coworker he's uh, on a date with but uh he can't get it up so he tries to do a bunch of cocaine and he still can't get it up <laughs> <laughs> because it's like a, a normal relationship and he's not used to normal relationships so yeah anyways um as we're watching all of a sudden the bat flew across the screen so it flew across the screen from left to right and like the left side of the tv is like maybe where the window was Mm-hmm. And so it flew across farther into the apartment. And so Jones immediately is scrambling to get away, like goes over towards the window. So he pushes me, like he falls on top of me, like his back is on top of me. And there was a guy, go- I had like a golf club sitting around there for some reason. He's trying, he's swinging it around while he's on top of me, trying to hit the bat. And I, I'm just stuck there because Alex is a big dude. Mm-hmm. 
And I was like, you need to turn the light on. You know, can't see a fucking thing in here. And so he crawls over on all fours to the wall on the other side to flip the switch. He flips the switch and then he immediately sprints into his room and shuts the door and just leaves me outside <laughs> with the bat. <laughs> <laughs> and he had the golf club and shit too. So I was just like, so it's flying around and I'm just sitting there. I'm like, all right, I got to try and, you know, hit this fucker. So I picked up a pillow and I swung that like a, like a bat and I hit it midair and it crashed into the wall and fell down. And I was like, fuck yeah you know i got it and then i mean it wasn't dead yet of course because right. i hit it with a pillow but i stunned it enough to uh where i could you know beat on it some more with this pillow and then jones bravely came out of his room <laughs> and he picked up a stool he had and turned it upside down and finished the, the job and then we threw out the pillow <laughs> <laughs> oh jesus but so yeah, that was our bad story. Wow. I also uh I used to work at Menards when I was in college, like uh morning stock. Mm-hmm. So like five AM to nine stock and shelves. And there was a bat in the store one day and I killed it with like this big long steel I don't even I couldn't even describe what it was. It was like a big pole, but it wasn't like a big cylinder. It was it was like an empty, almost like a frame like pole, I guess. Hmm. But it was a long, skinny thing. It was probably like eight feet long, and I somehow hit it in like midair, where I like sliced its wing off or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, so I've uh, killed some bats in my day. Clearly, you were influenced by this movie. <laughs> Indeed, I was. You should have just whacked Jones with uh, something, just <laughs> <laughs> you know, like at home alone with the uh, the spider. <laughs> Yeah. it's on you wait just hold still mm-hmm. there's another great bat scene that's kind of a ripoff of this in uh black sheep with david spade and chris farley been a really long time since i've seen since i've seen black sheep yeah it's on chris farley's head and david spade throws a blanket over him and just starts beating him with a i don't know if it's a broom it's something wooden like a big yeah. wooden stick but uh, yeah, and also we got to bring up the the 96er Paul Bunyan steak, six pounds of meat. That was definitely a uh, <laughs> that steakhouse, very reminiscent of the Timber Lodge Steakhouse, which I don't even know if any of those are open anymore. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure there's other local steakhouses in northern Minnesota that are similarly themed with their outdoorsy. Uh, type of like drinkware and the very uh, yeah like handmade looking tables. I've been to some places like that over the years. I guess in Minnesota or maybe maybe Wisconsin or somewhere else. But um, and they'll have like a like the big ninety sixer. And I'm not sure if it's, they just had that forever or it, because of the movie. Who knows? That's a pretty sure common sure trope. Both happen, but yeah, I think that's a pretty common trope in movies. So I mean, it must exist in real life. Yeah, you would think. I mean, I can't imagine that some movie writer made that up. Mm-hmm. But I like how John Candy. He's just—he's not even prepared for it. Or Chet, the character Chet. 
He's not even prepared. He just will, you know, he orders this 96 ounce steak. And then he just eats it like it's nothing. Yeah. Like he kind of when... struggles at the end. And then they're like, you're not done. And he's like, that's all fat and grizzle. I'm like, yeah, I know. Like this cook just stands over him watching him eat it too. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't have to work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it when John Candy's just like sharpening his knife with the fork. Like, just get ready, uh, smiling, like, eh, this will be fun. <laughs> it's just, like, something to do. Like, oh, you know, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, you know? <laughs> There's a really good gif of it. I'm going to post on Twitter along with this episode and whatnot. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I think we can start to wrap up. Um, last clip is coming up now, and it entails uh, everyone airing their grievances. Katie, you were absolutely right. We should have gone to Europe or maybe even Haiti, or Antarctica, or the Dead Sea. Would have had a lot more fun. Is that a fact? Well, nobody forced you to come up here, buddy boy. As a matter of fact, I don't remember anybody inviting you up here. Do you remember inviting him? I sure as hell don't. And what exactly is that statement supposed to mean? You figure it out for yourself. No, 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 you specify, you clarify for me, all right? Just as a common courtesy, if you don't mind. You know damn well what he means. I think they're trying to say that we're not welcome. Aha! Uh-huh. What did I hear? We've got a bingo! You did figure it out, Kate. So, now it's all starting to ooze out. It's very interesting, isn't it, Katie? Yeah, very. Especially since we threw aside our plans, and we had a great European vacation plan, threw aside our plans to come up here to show these dead asses how to start to learn to have a good time. Thanks for ruining my vacation, Ripley. What was that? Ruining your vacation? Is that what you said? Oh, come on. I don't believe. I don't believe I heard you say that. You'd better believe it. Don't push it, Roman. You ain't even seen pushing yet. You know the trouble with you, Ripley? You wouldn't know a good time if it fell out of the sky, landed on your face, and started to wiggle. Oh, you got an awful lot of nerve, Roman. A lot of nerve. It served me well. I'm the one with the Mercedes. By the way, is it paid for? Are you jealous? Chester? Don't call me Chester. You call me that one more time, you're going to go home with a dent in your forehead. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'll be the day. Would you like one to match his? Hey, take it off. You want to go right now? Dad, dad, dad. No one's denting anybody. Thanks, Bucky. Oh, bite the big one, Uncle Roman. Hey, don't talk to adults that way. Why not? Because it's rude. Oh, blow it out your ass. Roman, why don't we just get out of here? Come on, honey. Come on, girls, let's Great go. Idea. Well, it's the first good idea you've had since you've been here. And by the way, don't steal any of our stuff. Uh-huh. What stuff is there to steal? We got stuff. You're a louse. Oh, well, go find yourself a spin cycle. Yeah, go find yourself a spin cycle. What the hell is that supposed to mean? Never mind, honey. All right, calm down, calm down. Okay. <laughs> find yourself a spin cycle. Yeah, we, we just kind of mentioned it in passing. We didn't really go over it. There's a scene where the girls are hanging out together and Kate tells Connie about how sometimes when she's doing laundry, she rubs up against the washing machine during the spin cycle. <laughs> Roman works a lot of long hours and doesn't have a lot of time for her. There's a lot of business dinners. So, yeah, she just... Uh... Likes to fuck the washing machine while he's gone. 
So everybody kind of calms down from there. And then uh, Roman, he, he basically guilts Chet into giving him $25,000 that he may or may not have to spend for an investment. But he eventually has an attack of conscience and admits that he hasn't been a broker for two years. Wears mm-hmm. a blue jumpsuit and delivers coffee every day. Yeah, because he uh, takes the check. He doesn't give him the twenty full 25000 right there with that check. Roman said he would give me what you can right now. I'll cover the rest and then you make it up squared away on Monday or whatever. Yeah. I actually ended up pausing the movie when you can see the check and it was for $5,000. So he gives him five at that moment, but still a lot of money for him. Right. I think that was uh, like all he had at the time, right? Yeah. Which what a scumbag, right? Just go (laughs) to your fucking in-laws, crash their vacation and then take all their money. (laughs) Like, what a fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. He has an attack of conscience and uh, turns the car around, goes back and apologizes for everything. Uh, comes clean about uh, the story made up about talking with his dad and the John yeah. at his wedding. It's like, I made it up. <laughs> you what? <laughs> you made it up? It was very wow. believable, the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was very, very believable. Well, if you said uh, I just said it, then I must have said it. Yeah, I had a lot to drink that night. Chet is very trusting. So you cut me. <laughs> it, it hurt. Um, so so get yeah, into the, they, the big climax comes after that. We got the big mm-hmm. rainstorm. Reg gets struck by lightning again. <laughs> very important to the plot that he gets struck yeah. by lightning again. Power goes out, and then... Roman's girls keep going to this fucking abandoned mine mm-hmm. and uh, the lodge owner had warned them about going down there because it's so dangerous. Mm-hmm. And here they're out there in the middle of this big ass fucking monsoon and uh, Chet and Roman have to go and rescue them. Yeah. They find them at the bottom of that mine shaft or entrance, whatever you want to call it. And Chet has to go and get a rope. Yeah, they forgot to bring any supplies. Yeah. Well, they didn't know they were going to need a rope. I guess. <laughs> so Roman ends up actually going down into the mine with his daughters. He ends up getting them out because there was like a shorter rope that was there that he used to kind of pull him and his daughters out. So it's kind of like a, they, they do like a, it's almost like a Laurel, Laurel and Hardy scene. Yeah. Kind of. Or Abbott and Costello. And uh, so... <laughs> Chet they comes don't, back thinking they, that they're still down there. They don't pass each other on the way. Yeah. Chet is going back to the mine and Roman and the girls are going back to the cabin and they don't pass on the way. So Chet thinks they're still down there in the <laughs> mine. Uh, and the only thing down there is the bald-headed bear, which mm-hmm. everybody thought was a myth. But it's very real. Yeah, so Chet ends up helping the bear climb up the mine and out. <laughs> And then yeah, chases him back to the house. Oh, you're back. <laughs> big, big bear. Big, big, big bear chase. I'm making you a sandwich. Me. I'm making what kind of sandwich. You want a big sandwich? <laughs> big, big. What did you say? A big sandwich? <laughs> yeah, the, the uh, bear knocks down the door uh, on top of Chet. It's pretty, pretty funny when the bear's just like hopping up and down. <laughs> That's pretty hilarious. 
Bart the Bear, hell of an actor, I tell you. Yeah. His timing is perfect. Good stuff. And then the lodge owner shows up with his shotgun lamp, which we saw in the, the earliest or one of the early scenes in the movie. I don't yeah. get why he has to plug it in first. <laughs> See, he's like, hold on. Let's <laughs> go over the wall and try to plug it in. And then I think Chip like, rips it out of the wall. And he's like, give yeah, it here. And then <laughs> shoots the bear. Shot it right in the ass. <laughs> Goose the bear. Just like Denzel in training day. Shot me right in the ass. Yeah, so that kind of wraps up the story. And then uh, Buck says goodbye to his girlfriend. I forget what the resolution on that was, if they were going to stay in touch or it, what. But yeah, She was going to send him home a, a crazy lovesick teen. <laughs> they won't be able to look at another woman without thinking about her, basically. Yeah, God forbid they exchange addresses or phone numbers. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be down in Chicago. She's way up in Wisconsin. Like, he'll never take another vacation again. And then uh, they're going to race home. Roman says, I'll race you home. And then uh, Chet's like, what does that mean? We're going different, <laughs> like, we're going different spots. Well, apparently Roman's homeless. Like, I don't. <laughs> like, yeah, that was weird. Like, it's in the. In right now. <laughs> in the week that they've been at the cabin, they've lost their home. And they have nothing, you know, to go, to go back to. Like, did he pack up his whole, like, house into his uh, Mercedes and then, like, expecting to be evicted that week? That was a, a very quick turn of events. Of course they have to stop on the way home and get drunk. Cause... <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I thought that scene was just, like, tacked on. Like, here's the rap party. We're, we just filmed everybody dancing to a song. Yeah, like I didn't think that was part of like the story. I thought I that thought, was. Like, I thought Roman is wearing the same clothes he is in the final scene of like at the cabin. When he's like racy home. I think he's wearing the same thing. Right, but I, I guess, you know, I, I didn't think they were in character. Like for whatever yeah. reason, I thought it was like, hey, this will be a fun way to end the movie. Well, yeah, everyone's having a good time. You know, like how Shrek ends with them all dancing to Smash Mouth. Like, yeah. Like, it's not really part of the story. It's just, yeah. like, we're going to have something fun to send everybody home on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then John Hughes has to put a post-credit scene. He's worse than Marvel with those things. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what made me uh, think to check for the after credits, but once in a while I'll put on the, the info, see what the running time is, and I'll be like, oh, that's, that's a long amount of time for credit sequence for this movie. Yeah. I just kind of let it run, you know, and uh, I was looking at my phone and then it popped up like, oh, there's the raccoons again. And you mentioned John Hughes. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> because he directed that one, I believe. I think so. And I think he also directed Uncle Buck. Now I'm wondering if Uncle Buck had one. Yeah, I don't remember. I know Ferris Bueller's Day Off had one, but I don't know if any other ones did. I just thought that was interesting that he would put one. Yeah, Uncle Buck, he directed Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Weird Science, Breakfast Club, Sixteen Candles, She's Having a Baby, and Curly Sue are the other two. I don't know what those are. So you didn't do Ferris Bueller's Day Off? No, he did Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Okay. 
All right. Well, uh, yeah, that's the movie. I think we can get into the trivia now. Hey, everybody. Here's some fun facts. The lakeside restaurant used in this movie was Ducey's Bar and Grill in Bass Lake, California, which burned to the ground shortly after filming due to a gas fire. The rebuilt restaurant today has posters and memorabilia from the film hanging on its walls as a reminder of the old restaurant. Mm. Here's a fun fact. So throughout the movie, the characters are seen drinking point beer. Uh, Point is an actual beer made in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. It is very popular throughout central and northern Wisconsin where the movie takes place. Point beer sign is also seen in one of the restaurants in the film. Here's a fun fact. The name of the vacation cabin was Loon's Nest. Loon is, of course, the state bird of Minnesota. Oh, you betcha, yeah. Yeah. Shortly after Roman arrives at the cabin, he and Chet sit on the dot. On the deck, looking across the lake while drinking from Star Wars Burger King promotional glasses, Roman drinks from the Return of the Jedi Jabba the Hutt glass, and Chet drinks from the Luke Skywalker glass from The Empire Strikes Back. Mm. Here's another fun fact. Here we go. Although widely believed to have taken place in Wisconsin, Chet clearly states that they are in Clare County. There's only one Clare County in North America, and it is in Michigan. Such a, a wide, uh, varied possibility of where this actually takes place. Mm-hmm. What was that 109-year-old man doing, like, vacationing to the States on his birthday? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't know, like, what the deal was with that. Like, how far into Canada did he live? Like, were they right on the border, and he just, you know... It's like a 10-minute drive, or is it worth crossing the border just for that? <laughs> so the bear's name in the movie was Jody, which is uh, learned in the post credit scene. Mm. Yeah, John Hughes was intending to direct the movie, but uh, scheduling conflicts did not allow it. So this is John Candy's appearance in the flashback during the bear story. His glasses and hair resembles that of screenwriter John Hughes. I meant to bring that up. Like for a second there, I thought they had somebody else doing the flashbacks during the bear story. Like it was a reenactment just cause uh, for whatever reason, John Candy looked way fucking different to me. Like, I don't, I, but uh, apparently it was him in the flashbacks. Yeah. I mean, a lot of his writing is autobiographical. At least somewhat the vacation movies are, I mean the, yeah. the first, or I should say the first one. And, uh, Christmas vacation. Right. So, I mean, it's interesting that they made him look like John Hughes, but I don't know. I I thought that he just got somebody else to to do the reenactments. Like it was a bad TV show, like unsolved mysteries or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that about does it for the fun facts. And I think it'll do it for this episode. Next up, we are doing uh, Batman from 89 followed by a problem child from 1990 and teenage mutant ninja turtles 2 secret of the ooze from 91 so we got a lot of episodes coming out soon until then you can also check out brett's other podcast positively wolfy podcast which i'm actually going to be on sometime soon yeah uh returning after i don't know a few months for my second go around 
Why don't you give us a little update and uh, tell us about Teespring too. Yeah, so check out the Positively Wolfy podcast. Unqualified commentary on allegedly real news. Like Eric said, he's going to be on a episode soon if it's not already out by the time this gets released. So check that out wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can go to teespring.com slash stores slash WTM watch this movie for WTM merchandise. If you're a fan of Positively Wolfy podcast as well, you can go to teespring.com slash stores slash Positively Wolfy for merchandise for that. So your purchase helps out our podcast. So if you want to support us, that'd be great. Uh, and then you get yourself a little cool merchandise to go with it. You can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com. Please rate and review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. And you can follow us on Twitter at watchthis underscore movie or right at PositivelyWolf1. We will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Later. Man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking about? Chicky later, chicky later. <laughs> hey, man, you off my case.